There's a look behind the scenes as Dan Duran warms up yeah. those golden tones. <laughs> <laughs> the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue, the lips, the teeth. All right. All right. <sighs> Freddy, are you all warmed up, Freddy? As much as I will ever be. Okay, well, let's not uh, let's not waste any of this enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, let's not waste any of this. Get up and go. Let's just. <laughs> What's that, Dan? <clears throat> I'm sorry, you froze. You froze there for a second. There. What did you say? You said it's arousing. Oh, I, yeah. I said it was a rousing start. Well, let's get going then. You make it happen. All right. Yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred is coming to you live from home bases in Brampton and Toronto and is brought to you by GigSky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who need to put out new salt licks in the pasture near their remote cabin for the last weeks of winter, ready and getting back to the land as they stock survive supplies in bunkers, including potassium iodine pills for the upcoming nuclear winter and dystopian future that's right around the corner. It's Humble and Fred. No, that's, uh, first of all, very complicated, but a bit dark, don't you think? Yeah, Scary. Yeah, because... I don't know that. I don't know. I know he might be able to survive, but I don't have the great survival skills. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. do you, can you maybe, did you want to just, yeah. can you do parts of that again just to maybe set up? Yeah, I'll just do it too, yeah. And now here are two men who like butterflies. Huh. It's Humble and Fred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the uh, dystopian winter to come because I was about, five minutes away from calling a plumber because my dishwasher wasn't working. In fact, I almost called you, Dan, and said, could you help me troubleshoot this? And uh, I was running it, but it wasn't running. The water wasn't kicking in. Yeah. It's clogged. Pardon me? It's clogged, probably. So before I called Dan and then called my friend Al, who has a plumbing company, I went, maybe Mm -hmm. it's clogged. (laughs) So did you do a little like... No, I just took off the basket. And it, sure enough, you know, there being a couple of, like, Kalamata olives and whatever were sure. stuck in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe don't put Kalamata olives in there. Just, maybe just take some uh, of Well, whatever it was, I fixed it, and it started working again, and I was so proud of myself. I'm like, hey, Mr. DIY. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, do you rinse your plates before you put them in the uh, dishwasher? Yeah, I do. Uh, anything that's got heavy... You know, stuff on it for sure. I rinse it because mm-hmm. that's a big rule in this house. Yeah, rinse that dish, Delise. Rinse that dish. In the you know, in the early part, you know, in the early times of us having a dishwasher, I used to think, you know, it's a dishwasher. What you just grab the dish and you throw it in because it's a dishwasher. What am I rinsing or washing the dish before I put it in? Yeah. But it is a good thing to rinse them for that very reason. You sound like my dad. My dad was. Uh, he couldn't stand it when people rinse their dishes for. That's what the dishwasher's job is all about. That's why we have a dishwasher. Yeah. Well, you guys grew up in a fancier home than me. And corn kernels and you know pieces of olive that don't break up in water and stuff. Yeah. No, you brush that yeah. off. Is on on, on Henry Street, we had a dishwasher. It was known as David, Stephen, and Howard. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually oh, a joke. There was actually a dishwasher 
there. It never worked. And in fact, that's where we kept, that's a true story. That's where my mom kept the cookies. Mm. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Because I don't know why we had it. The, the cabinet was there. Or the, the, the mechanism was there. Just We just mm-hmm. didn't use it or it didn't. I, I just, Stephen might, because Stephen listens to the show. But I just remember we never used it, this dishwashing thing except for uh that's where mother that's where mother <laughs> mother mother anyway. it was yeah cookies were did she keep doing that yeah yeah it wasn't she was hiding them that's just where they were uh what? but i don't know she used to put them in this it doesn't <laughs> the first dishwasher we had was a roll around you rolled it up to the sink yeah. and then you connected it. Well, to I remember those. Yeah, and they we, had a, we some of bit, them had a cutting board on top of them. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of money, and we were sort of like a novelty family. We would try things. Our first dishwasher <laughs> was this big plastic tub that sat on top of the counter. Yeah, and there was just a hose to the tap from the sink, and it was just this thing that spun that a, apparently was supposed to wash the dishes it didn't do a very good job we thought it did and convinced ourselves it did at the beginning but it just didn't you know another thing wait, we no had, wait 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 we were a novelty family i just imagine all of you there with big shoes and a red nose and everyone everyone walking around spraying each other with flowers we couldn't afford a real dishwasher so we, you get something like that. Another thing we had in the 60s with our black and white TV, it was this, it was like this gel and the top was blue and the middle was sort of flesh color and the bottom was green and you put it on your TV screen. Right, to make it color. sort of give you, a, give you a phony color TV. Now, if you're watching Bonanza, some of the outdoor scenes, it actually worked a bit, but yeah. generally it was just a joke. <laughs> but we had one and it stayed on the TV for a while. No, don't take it off yet. It's yeah. pretty good. That's how you, you know. know. By it the way, welcome, good. welcome to the show. That's how you know you're listening to three guys that are 300 years old. <laughs> Because the sentence, yeah, that's six. No, that's in because the, the, the sentence when you're watching Bonanza. Yeah, love Bonanza. I used to love Bonanza too. You know, in the early days, it was called Ponderosa. Yeah, I remember one of the yep. first jokes, one of the first stand-up jokes that uh, I recall was hearing a comedian. And it would have been someone like David Brenner or Robert Klein or one of those guys. And he said about the guys on, he said, how do I understand all the sons on Bonanza? How is some of them are actually older than their dad? <laughs> and it was the <laughs> oldest son. He, mm-hmm. Who was him? Not, was it Pernell Roberts? Yeah. Was the older son? Yeah. What was his name? There was Little Joe Haas. Haas. And, uh, and that guy. And that yeah. guy looked older than. Was it Adam? Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, oh, wow. I remember being really intrigued by the fact that Pa was from Canada, Lauren Green, right? Who used to be a newscaster, yeah, at CBC, at CBC, yeah, yeah. fake mm-hmm. news, CBC. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, no, but that the dishwasher or the cabinet where the dishwasher may have been is where my mom kept the cookies. We just never had one. I don't think they ever did. But as far as rinsing dishes. I always do that, but apparently, whatever we were eating, maybe it might have even been. The, was there all of us on that pizza we had? I don't know. But anyway, yeah. for so I tried to run it last night a couple times, and I, I could I could hear it clicking, I could hear it going on, but no water was flowing. So I went, okay, maybe there's a blockage somewhere. And 
I was going to call you and have you troubleshoot it with me. And then I know I went, you know what? Did it There's already, just a yeah. couple of drains. I'll look at them. I took them out, cleaned them, and I put them back in, and it's, mm. it's working. No water running. Blockage sounds like my prostate problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I should have called you and said, how do I give this dishwasher a terp? Give her a terp. Give her a nice terp. Uh, Jeff Lumby, speaking of friends of ours, is going to join us today for his monthly check-in from France. Jeff and Julie moved to France during a pandemic is the name of their podcast. Very interesting. Uh, a couple quick things. Have you guys been to a Sobeys lately? Yesterday. Did they give you the free rapid tests? Yes. Oh. Isn't that interesting? So did I yesterday, and that happened to me. Do you want me to explain it, or should you explain it? What's there to explain? They give well, you free rapid tests. I found it interesting that a couple months oh. ago, when I got back from uh, Italy in, in December, we were all freaking out. Rapid test, rapid test. I mean, in fact, didn't... Didn't you have to take or didn't I have to take a rapid test before you came over or you came over, Dan, and we were rapid testing. Everyone was rapid testing. And where do you yeah. get them? It was like a big deal. Very diff- difficult to find. People difficult to find. Them. Have yeah. to get a rapid test, get together with a rapid test. And then yesterday, a young woman, as I checked out, said, would you like some free rapid tests? <laughs> I'm like, what? And she said these words. Well, now that the pandemic is ending, we just have so many of these. We're giving them away. <laughs> I thought, really? I thought two things. First of all, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, Anil or whatever her name was, Anila, she's a very nice person. She's declared the pandemic over, and I went, thank you. And then mm. the fact that we have so many of these rapid tests, they can't, no one's going to buy them now. They're just giving yeah. them to people. You know, it's one of those head scratchers. Last week I mentioned, you know, people bitch about, you know, a buck sixty for a liter of gas, and then they'll go in the on the run store and pay uh, two ninety nine for a liter of water. It's always left me scratching my head. But even in Sobeys, I've had a bit of a problem with Sobeys lately because if you forget a bag and you want a paper bag, it's fifteen cents. So they're giving out rapid tests, but then charging you fifteen cents for a paper bag. And those like paper a, bags a, suck. A lousy by the way. paper bag, fifteen yeah. cents. And you, you know those bags me? suck. Yes, I know. They're terrible. Oh, I, I felt well, like saying, I felt like saying, no, keep the rapid tests and uh, I'll exchange it for six paper bags. Thank you very much. But she wouldn't go for it. Hmm. I wish you would have. <laughs> would have been great. Because, <laughs> you know, back in the Bonanza days, you could yeah. barter with somebody at oh, the yeah. checkout. Yeah. At Mr. Drucker's yeah. General Store. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That, was t- that, was, that was Petticoat Junction. Oh, Petticoat Junction. I'm sorry, aren't Dad. The rapid test, uh, aren't they distributed by the government in the, so that they're not? I, don't I, I know, thought that was just what, part of the distribution thing. So. No, I know. But I just I, thought I, it was, was funny. Trying, that, I, was, I was trying to construct a joke there. Yeah, we're doing oh, I'm jokes sorry, I thought you're a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I just found it fascinating that the checkout person at Sobeys um, was able to declare the pandemic over, and that it's, the tests have just gotten to the point where you just, they're just giving them to people. Here's another funny little thing about our province. So you go to Sobeys, and then you have to watch if I get if I get some craft beer, I have to make sure that when I'm checking to out, the beer I lane, I go to the beer lane. Yeah. Like, is it? 
if a seventeen-year-old checks my beer out, is is the world really going to fall apart? Like, you know well, I mean? you might influence that seventeen-year-old to start drinking. <laughs> oh, by the way, I know what I was going to say. Stupid is that? You were talking about the price of gas yeah. versus the price of water. I saw this online in the last couple of days that apparently, like, a liter of Starbucks coffee is sixteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and we're all like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like I'll pay Dan. You know you you would pay four or five dollars. I know you would for the size yeah. of coffee that you need, and then we'd all get all excited about how much cost how much it costs mm-hmm. to fill our tanks. Yeah, well, it's whatever is normal, I guess. Huh? Anything that no, that absolutely, and it's out of our normal world. Oh, okay. You know, well, this, listen. Yep. Remember, it wasn't that long ago in our history. This whole. Water is an option as a soft drinker, as a drink that you would go into a store and buy. I mean, you know, there was a, like I could remember when nobody, nobody did that. No, I know. So this water thing has been a cash cow, man. Just think about it. What they charge and what it is. Like, it's amazing. No one, you know, no wonder there's been a move away from uh, regular soft drinks by a lot of these companies. When you can get that much money for just sticking a bottle in a goddamn brook somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's um, crazy. No, no I mean, I, listen, it's not that long ago. My brother Stephen just checked in. And apparently, I am remembering this, that we had a dishwasher or something that was built into the thing. It just never worked. And, and Stephen's thing was, we were too poor to have it fixed. And that's why, that's where sort of the, the bread and the the cookies were, were just in there as a, you know, as a place to put them, not as a place an to ex- hide them. An extra cupboard. An extra cupboard. Um. It wasn't that long ago, and I mean in the time that we've been doing the yeah. show together, 30 years, where yeah. coffee wasn't prized as a... Right. It was just something you drank, and most of the time it was terrible. Dan, yes. I've said this about you. You were the first person I ever knew that was looking for a bespoke, you know, more of a craft brew of, of coffee. You were the first guy. I mean, let's look at the craft beer... I, I, when I met you, Fred and Dan, and I all got together, you would no way you would have drank anything but a, a regular Labatt, Molson, or whatever you drank. I same with me. True. So look at us all now: IPAs and hops, and you know, stouts and bullshit. Like that's also a fairly histor- you know, recent phenomenon. Up at the Tin Palace, we used to make fun of Dan for him bringing up these wacky beers, right, with all yep. these weird names. This is years ago. And now, I mean, part of the novelty of craft beers are some of the crazy names, right? Like the one I get in uh, in Georgetown, it's called, like, Chicken Man. And then there's uh, that, that uh, fat-ass whatever <laughs> that I like, that's seven... Percent they, they are getting a little carried away. Fat ass, go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite. They, one of my favorites. Craft beer. They have some uh, great names, but I'm talking 20 years ago. Dan was bringing that stuff. Oh up. yeah. And we're going, and we're making fun of him. So he's very, very cutting edge. He oh, absolutely. Has been. You know, you want to talk? You show your age too. Like in Scarborough. <laughs> um, uh, country style donuts predated Tim Hortons, actually in yes. Scarborough. Right? Yeah, and country style donuts used to have really good coffee. And I remember my dad first talking about, "Oh, their coffee's good." And you would go to, out of your way to go to the to the country style because it was the first coffee that wasn't like that hockey arena, whatever crap that you would get when you were out and about. <laughs> and that's that was my first experience with coffee that didn't taste like, you know. 
before. I remember the time. Well, yeah. one of the reasons Dan used to bring up all that weird beers he didn't know, then he knew that no one would want it. <laughs> so that was part of it. That was part of it. No, he was very generous with oh, it. Yeah. He'd say, "Do you want some of my?" <laughs> he's like, "Do you want some of my?" Like, uh, <clears throat> there was one once with like it was called Evil Bat or something. Yeah. And, I remember uh, once he came over here, he said, hey, I've got some t- beer for you to taste. And I said, what's it called? And he said, it's called Finger Bang My Butthole. I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not drinking that. <laughs> well, look at uh, it Dan. Is, Dan? It is, it is interesting in our society how we like it. Like in the olden days, it was stuff, you know, uh, pre-ground coffee out of a nabob, you know, mm-hmm. bucket tin of some yeah. sort. And, and then it changed. And now we have, you know, whether it's dark roast or light mm-hmm. roast or, you know, we're aware of all the opportunities for various flavors of coffee. Listen, right? back to Henry Street. I My mom drank like that stuff like a, a crystal not crystals but you know you, it was instant coffee out of a she, she bought oh, yeah. a, a thing and yeah. you scooped it into hot water yeah it's Nescafe or Sanka I only remember my mom and dad percolating coffee like for yeah. special occasions right like making coffee ground into a old stinky percolator we used to have a corningware all the time I was a kid we had a corningware coffee pot that went on the top of the stove Right. And my kids laugh because my parents let me drink coffee like at 11, 12 years old, right? So my and dad would get too. up at 5. My dad would get uh, up at 5 o'clock to go to work and he'd make a pot of coffee. This is again at 5. So then I would get up at 7:30 quarter to 8 and I'd have a cup of that coffee. You know what it's like stovetop coffee? Sure. 2 2 hours after you make it. Like it's just but did, you hear me, did you hear me ask if you also were smoking at that age as well? You'd have no. some smokes and coffee with your dad? No. But I drank coffee, and when I think I would love to have a cup of that coffee right now to just see how bad it was at the time, because no. it was old. It was burnt by seven thirty, eight o'clock. Was Dan that part of the whole? Uh, it was that part of the whole uh, novelty family? Experience? Yeah, the novelty <laughs> family. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, was it a real coffee pot, or was it like inside was like a boop boop? Um, were you allowed to drink coffee in the house of the Lord? No. No, no, we're not allowed to drink until we became adults in some way. I look back and I started smoking cigarettes before I drank coffee. I was smoking Mm. cigarettes at 12, 13, you know, like a lot of young Canadians Mm. of my time. I did. I started smoking cigarettes. I was well into smoking cigarettes by 14, 15, but I started for the first few times. I would not have been allowed to hang out with you. No, I was a, I was a, I was a tough, I was a, I was a tough hombre back back in in Moose Jaw. You know, same back in the Scarborough days, a lot of my buddies started smoking early. Like, by grade 8, they were sneaking smokes. Uh, but, yeah, when I'm, like, in grade 6 and 7, I'm, uh, I'm you know, I show up at school and I've, I've got a couple of coffees in me. <laughs> you were all hyped up. <laughs> and, Plus, yeah, that's right. And nobody at the t- nobody, <laughs> listen, nobody at the time would even talk about caffeine or what it might be doing to you. Same no, with chocolate not. back then. Nobody made the connection of chocolate and a kid being hyper. It's like, yeah, eat the chocolate. Go away. Eat a chocolate. <laughs> okay, hang on a second. Here's this quick visit from uh, Edmonton Steve. I, I, and what, listen, don't ask Steve about the trucker convoy because we're never going to get him off here. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I hope everyone, I know I sent it to Fred. I'm not sure if I sent it to Dan, but I did send it to Stephen and my other brother. The uh, it's Fifth Estate. Look at him. He's, is, this, is this how you go around your house? Look at you. It's 10 to 6 in the morning here. Why are you awake? Uh, I got to go see the kids in about 25 minutes. Yeah, his grandkids are uh, coming up to a year old. 
Oh, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it a wonderful? Isn't it a wonderful thing, Stephen, being a grandfather? Mm. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yes, it is. So, yeah, cra- there'll be, so there'll did, be a year and about a month. So, did Excellent. we have a dishwasher, and why didn't it work? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think we were that poor, but apparently we were. Yeah, we were. Because every time I asked, well, I got two answers. One was, we can't afford to fix it. And the other answer was, mom liked to have us dry the dishes because it was the only time she had with us as we were growing up. So we would sit there and dry the dishes and she would get to talk to us. Mm. Were we really that poor we could never have the dishwasher fixed? I mean, like ever? Didn't he know somebody could come over? Fix the dishwasher. I, uh, we just accepted it, and uh, yeah. I, but every all the neighbors' kids knew that that's where the cookies were. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I at least remembered most of yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> How are uh, how are things in Edmonton? Are you guys going to continue to send your Aryan Nations people out here? Are you finished with that? I. You know what? It's funny how I'm trying to stay away from the TV a little bit. Uh, I Mm -hmm. thought the convoy thing was over. I don't hear too much. The big thing around here is that Jason Kenney is up for sort of election within his party sometime in the next two or three weeks. And uh, he may be voted out. There may be no more Jason Kenney. So we're quite excited about that. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. He's not not popular. He's not popular. No. He really... He's, it's like he's got the perfect uh, storm where the people on the right don't like him, the people on the left don't like him, and uh, there's a pretty good chance he could be out. There's what not I, enough middle. Mm. Yeah, what okay. I was saying, Fred, no. is I, I'm, no. I'm doing the same thing. I mean, I'm watching the news in, in fits and starts. I don't watch it as much as I used to, and I, I watch it sort of late in the day and then early in the morning, but... Um, I did send you that Fifth Estate thing. When you have a chance to watch it, it's pretty fascinating. I started watching a bit of it, so it's a whole episode. Yeah, it's on, forty-five on minutes. The yeah, on the whole, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, and, it, and it does. And I think she does a great job. And 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 we were talking about it before we started recording. You know, she just asks questions. She doesn't have an opinion. She just mm-hmm. sort of asks questions and lets all these people, all these organizers, show Canadians just how dumb they are. Well, you know, and that's that's the best way to sort of the way we handled Freeway Frank the other day. It's because before he came on, we just said, let's ask him questions. And often when you just ask them questions, their answers tell you all you need to know about the movement and what they know and all that. You know, honestly, I thought he you know, I thought you guys kind of let him off a bit. Yeah, because, you know, he was going on about, well, you know, it's just my opinion. Yeah. And and when it got when it got down to the specifics of, well, it's your opinion. You were in Ottawa. You didn't see this. I said I thought to myself, well, you didn't see the people in their apartments, uh, you know, hearing the, 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 the horns for a week. You, yeah. What's your opinion about that? Well, I mean, this guy just. Yeah. You know, he, wait, well, when I said, you know, using the kids as human shields, which is a proven thing and transporting flammables through the streets, he just sloughed it off like, oh, yeah, that's all you guys want to concentrate on. Well, all they want to concentrate on is bouncy castles, which yeah. is bullshit, too. So anyway, but, yeah. but as far as letting him off, like, you know, we have made yeah. a decision now since the Chris Sky interview where it just mm-hmm. devolved into us screaming and him screaming that. You know, that's not really if we're going to have some of these type of people on the show, then and I said to Fred, I think it was the day before I said, you know, I, I read this thing about letting somebody explain their logic. Yeah. And once you have them do that, it, it's a better 
technique yeah. than screaming at them. Well, they sort of hang themselves. Like when Frank said, you know, I know some doctors. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, we Frank, all know some come on, buddy. Like, you I know, know what? I, 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 and I agree uh, with you. Like, as a listener, you know, mm. I don't need you guys to be so on point that, you know, like, you don't have to say it because we all hear it mm-hmm. and we all knew. And it was like, it was, it was so obvious. I mean, I, you know, the idea that I'm going to listen to this guy's podcast is like, holy moly. You know, I mean, but there's going to be a lot of people who will. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan's news is coming up later. Jeff Lumby's coming up in a few minutes time. Stephen, uh, go see the grandbabies. You know, I, I yeah. sent Thanks. you, a, I sent Stephen out like, I don't know, an hour ago. I just said, hey, uh, to both of my brothers, I said, I don't know if you guys have seen this. And he, r- he writes back, uh, I'll have a look. I'm like, how is he awake? And then I remember that every morning he spends a few hours with these twin babies. So, Howard, you haven't yeah. met the, the, the children yet, like in person. Uh, no, just videos. That's you know, they're beautiful. Be yeah, you're going to. Hopefully, you'll be able cool. to do like, the idea that there's two, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've all had singles, but the idea that there's two, like they, they, you know, they play with each other and uh, they, you know, the, the most interesting thing I've seen, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things, but it's fun to see them have something to play with. Like somebody will have, not a pencil, but somebody will have something and one of them will play with it and the other will just take it. And, and then they'll play with it. And the, the first person, the first one will take it back. And And it's funny how there's no, sense of possession it's like they're not it's not like i have to have it there it's like it's mine it's like they just take turns they play with it and they give it back to each other it's just no oh, it's it fantastic very sweet they just get along you like know? you and howard when you me and you um by the way speaking of visiting uh right now there's some tentative plans in place because the uh, canadian senior amateur is in red deer you know I will, of course, I'll have to change my last name, but uh, so I'm coming Red out Deer, to Red Deer doesn't have any any golf courses, does it? Yeah, uh, I don't know exactly where it is, but it's out there uh, near Red Deer. Is it and called Wolf Wolf Creek. I, I don't know the name of it. My point is, Rachel and I are planning to come out west this summer at the end of August, first of September. So I'm going to see the York kids. I'm going to see David's grandson. And, wow. uh, visit the Aryan Nations. Hey, Glassman mm-hmm. in the house. What's up? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, boys. Thank you. That's good to know. Thanks for letting me know. Well, it'll be fun. Yeah, anyway, it's going to be good. Guys. Thanks for I can't wait. Good to see you, Steve. Good to, good see, to see you. I love this show, by the way. Best podcast in the world. Bye. Well, thank you very much. See, there's our biggest fan. Right on. Uh, uh, all right, everybody. Uh, this program is uh, brought to you each and every day by the uh, fantastic folks at Go Daddy. Let me tell you something about Go Daddy. I-, I know you've heard me talk about it, but really, it's important to know. But this is, uh, you know, a lot of people trying to get their ideas going. And if you're looking to get your small business online in another way, maybe haven't, or maybe launch a small business. These people have over 25 years of service and have 20 million customers around the world. GoDaddy's where people go to kind of domain, create a website and everything else you need to get your business online. There's no better time now to do it because with GoDaddy, no credit cards even required, and you can bring everything to life. Their free and friendly 24-7 phone support will help you, and they're also uh, help you along every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. GoDaddy is where you go. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Uh, Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa. Uh, you know, we love Timmy. And, you know, he'll be on tomorrow, and I'm sure we're going to address the volatility in the market. Like, if you talk about a yo-yo, like, 
down over 200 points again yesterday and then up 100 and some of the day before or whatever on Friday. It's crazy times, but you know, the Sherpa will put it all in perspective. He is a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, if you have a portfolio and you're not happy with it, Tim will have a second look at it. Uh, if you want to start one from scratch, he's your guy. Many Humble and Fred listeners, I know some personally, uh, have put their fortunes in uh, in Tim's hands, and the results have been fantastic. And don't forget, he works both sides of the border. We have listeners. There's a lot of expats in the States listening to this show. Tim is available because he's licensed on both sides. Figure it out. He's the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah, this uh, Fifth Estate. I guess what I could, I, I just forget sometimes that you, I could just put it up on Facebook for people or... Uh, maybe I'll do that at the end of the show. I've got a little bit of audio from it. I don't know how deep you want to get into it, other than to say, you know, it's just sort of sad, but interesting. Sad that we're at this stage in our country's development. Interesting that, you know, we're not the innocent Canada a lot of us thought we were. Also interesting that, you know, and I've said this, and said it in January, you know, for a couple of years you know, I felt pretty smug as a Canadian that we are handling things better than the Americans and at least we're not like them, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden that happens and you realize, you know what? We're, much, we're not much different. We've got evil people here. Yeah. And we've got people here, the religious faith, all that stuff gets mm-hmm. kind of all thrown in together and we have it here and we're not as innocent as we thought we were. No, you know, we, when we were talking about letting these people sometimes just talk and they expose themselves and you don't really have to confront them because in, their answers say all that needs to be said. Um, you know, it was like that in the that Fifth Estate the special, you know, all those imbeciles like Pat King. It's just like, just let them talk because it tells you all you need to know. Um well, you especially nailed when they it. Try to, especially when they try to sound intelligent. Yeah, I was going to say you nailed it because we were talking about yeah. how they, they all just want to. To me, it sounds like Pat King is trying to sound like people he's heard on TV. Yes. So here's a little bit of Pat King being interviewed on the Fifth Estate. Crackdown everyone knew was coming. Pat King told us whatever happened, victory was already theirs. You think you've won, don't you? We know we've won. We have. We have won. Look at it around the world. And it's not a matter of winning. It's a matter of coming to terms with the fact that people just want to live their lives. Can we please? Can we please just live our lives? Okay, let's just pause there. And, and, and we, when I played this clip for you, you made me laugh because you're like, I am living my life. We all are. Yeah, like I don't know what that's all about. Like I, I can't remember the last time I wasn't free to live my life. Like honestly, all I, all I know is that you know, we had a pandemic and there weren't a lot of answers. So they asked society to sort of pull together and see if we can get on the other side of it. And I thought, oh, OK, that sounds good. Yeah. That's so, another thing. Are, 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 are at Where we're at right now, aren't you sort of proud of our society that 90 some odd percent decided, yeah, let's pull together and see what we can do about this. Yeah, that's the other side of this conversation mm-hmm. is that most of us. And, and, and by the way, I just mm-hmm. wanted to, we all felt that way. We all yeah. said, OK, a couple years ago. Well, this seems scary, but uh, for now, I'll, I'll comply, and hopefully that will help us get through this. But I'll tell you who's not living their lives. Two and a half million Ukrainians aren't living their lives right now. Right. Like, like if Pat, that's why I keep saying now, and it's, 
It's weird, but uh, all these people are should be embarrassed. All the people mm-hmm. that came to Ottawa should be embarrassed because mm-hmm. because they were like freedom. Well, I'll tell you what, you know who should come to Ottawa? The Ukrainians. And by the way, he is coming. Um, I just want to mention I, I said it yesterday, and I, I might check it out myself. I just want to see what that looks like. But President Zelensky is talking to our parliament today, and will be speaking to the U.S. Uh, government uh, remotely tomorrow. But anyway, back to the idea of living our lives, and they took our free. We all just want to live our lives. Well, that's the the Ukrainian population right now is is trying to live their lives. That's what free. That's what having your freedoms taken away from you looks like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like having to wear a mask in Sobies. No, and just the like, none of it makes sense to me because you were free to go to Ottawa and do what you did, and you did it until it became a problem because you, Mister Freedom, were taking the freedoms away from the people that lived in that city. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand the freedom thing. I like I, you know, I'm 65 years old and I've lived in maybe the freest country in the world. Yeah. And I, I really don't have the complaints that they do. But again, it all gets back to we saw with Pat King, you, you know, when he was talking about the Anglo-Saxon race yeah. and trying to eliminate the that, again. That's what it's all about. And I, you know, and I asked you before the show, like, <clears throat> I don't even have time for the discussion anymore because we all know what it was about. And that, and, and, and that fifth estate, I mean, exposed it. That's what it was all about. Week one, maybe into week two, there were some people there that, you know, went with the best of intentions, but they sized it up and went, you know, I don't want any part of this, and they left. By the end of it, we know what it was all about. Well, at one point, and I don't have the clip, but at one point, and there, there's like a 12-minute version of this. Just look mm-hmm. up Convoy Organizer Pat King Answers Questions. Mm-hmm. But at one point, she said to him about, you know, his racist, you know, language. Right. He's like, I'm not, you know, and he's such a fucking hoser. He's like, I'm not racist. Well, yeah, you know, we have, everyone's seen you talking about mm-hmm. Ishmael and change your name and the Ching Chong, you know. And so all of that exists. Also, the audio and video of him threatening to or saying that Trudeau needs to take a bullet. She calls him on that. He said, well, no, that was. And apparently he was angry because he was refused um, to be able to get on an airplane unvaccinated. Right. So his his excuse is that's just my my freedom to say those things. (laughs) Okay, but they're threatening the prime minister and they're racist. You know, when he proved himself to be the king size dunderhead that he is. When they she called him on the racist stuff, <clears throat> and they played it the Ching Chang Chong and yeah. uh, something about <clears throat> yeah change your name to Ishmael and change your name to Ishmael. She calls him on. He goes, "That's not racist. That's just verbiage. That's just verbiage. Yeah, it's just verbiage. What yeah, the I know. Fuck was what's that? That's just verbiage. Well, here's more the guy verbiage. Is a P, the guy's a pea brain, and you know what's in his heart. Um, but I was again, gonna say, here's more verbiage of him being arrested. This is him trying to sound like mm-hmm. he's a lawyer. Please step out of the vehicle, sir. What's that? You're under arrest, sir. For what? For mischief, counseling to commit. King was one of the first to be rounded up and recorded his own arrest. Uh, disobey court orders. Uh, I'd like to get my lawyer on the phone right away. Sir, I have the right to a lawyer. Of course you do. Yeah, so I'd like to call my lawyer presently at this moment in time. I'd like to call my lawyer presently at this moment in time. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
All right, Counselor King. And the the couple, the religious couple, you know, he's a scary guy. You know, his wife's a dunderhead. Sorry. They uh, yep. they were actually responsible. It's the louders are, are they are who they are, and they're really responsible for sort of the grassroots, like the spark that lit the whatever. Um, and I would also comment that some of the people, and I made this point when it was happening, there were lots of Canadians along the way that were cheering for this uh-huh. without really knowing the origins of it. And what the real and, and, and I think without I think a lot of Canadians were duped. I think a lot of Canadians now looking back that were supporting this, if they watch this, they're gonna feel a little bit like they were taken, not quite understanding who the people behind it really are and really right. were at the time. Yeah. Um like Pat King, he's just not bright, you know, when he walked in that room. My mom and dad, you know, would be really proud if I'm on the fifth estate. Yeah. So he sits down and answers questions and exposes himself. A lot of people are very cagey. Like, I haven't told you, but uh, the last couple of weeks, each week I send Richard Surrett a thing saying, Hey, Rich, come on our show. We just want to ask you some questions, right? And he's cagey. See, he doesn't want to come on our show anymore and answer questions. You know, his mother-in-law's, he can't do this, and he's got to do this with his kids. All of a sudden, he could, he could be on our show before. But all of a sudden now, he just can't find the time because he knows the questions we're going to ask, which be like, you know, why do you retweet Randy Hillier and Maxime Bernier and have all this weird sort of religious stuff on your on your on your page? And you really haven't called out Putin. And I just want to ask him those things because I just don't understand it. You know, and he still, you know, he still argues on behalf of the truckers and same thing just hey rich you know we have a history come on our show and just answer these questions because howard and i would like to appreciate or understand where you're coming from when you retweet a guy like maxime bernier or randy hillier Mm -hmm. or ezra levant it's like wow it's hard for us to really understand how that's part of your world or that's part of your argument or that's part of where you sit on all these issues. But he, 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 I don't think he wants any part of us now. Well, you know, I've got a, not a more personal relationship with him than you do, but I've had a, I've had more Mm -hmm. sort of phone calls with him back in the day. Do you want me to ask him? Sure. Because it's been a while since he's been on the show. I'm happy to send him a note and say, hey, listen, I understand that Fred's been trying to get you on. I'll have you back on. We'll have you back Uh on. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that will do for us other than having another guy to sort of, you know, not argue with, let off the hook. I mean, I'm just afraid that that we're going to keep having these people on and keep letting them off the hook. Uh, to be honest, though, Howard, it's to me, it's almost more of a test because I find it interesting. You know, you can watch news shows like 60 Minutes or, um, you know, Bill Maher or Jon Stewart over the years <clears throat> and CNN reporters or, or, or personalities will come on and, and talk or MSNBC or, you know, um, George Stephanopoulos will go on some show. You'll notice Fox yeah. personalities will never, ever, ever, ever go on any of those shows. And you know why? Because they don't want to have to answer the questions they'll yeah. be asked. Well, with the exception back in the day of Bill O'Reilly, but Bill O'Reilly famously went on Letterman and got eviscerated. 
Well, plus he plus who who did he hook up with, with John Stewart and they went on the road and had debates? Uh, I don't know. I know that but, O'Reilly is part of uh, the Trump tour or was part of the Trump tour in right. the fall. But do you think Tucker Carlson would ever sit at a desk with Bill Maher? No. <laughs> you know, no, he's a scared. He's he's a scared. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to have those conversations. And I'm happy to, like I said, I'm happy to have Richard back. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see where that conversation is going to go. Lumby is standing by. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I just recommend if you're, uh, uh, and I, if I remember, because that's another one. If I remember, I'll try and stick that face on on our Facebook page. I'll put it up. The link to. The Fifth Estate story, because I think it's a, and it's worth your time. It's 40 minutes. It's well done. And it really gives you a good sense and flavor of how it started. And again, to my point a couple months ago about not mm-hmm. understanding that Alberta and the history of being a feeling left out of the political mm-hmm. equation, but also the general the, how it generated and, and the genesis of the Aryan nations in Canada. It's a long, long history, and they're all intertwined out there. And what was the religious guy and his wife? Is, you know, that he just another glassy-eyed Bible thumper that you could just, you just could feel the evil in his heart, what really was behind him. And his wife sort of like grabbing his hand and squeezing it and, and nodding. And didn't she seem a bit subservient? Too? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I, I felt like I was mm-hmm. watching a couple from the 1970s where yeah, she wasn't yeah. allowed to talk as much. Yeah. And he was, but that's also how, you know, how religion wrecks everything. But, um, yep. but, but also interesting. I don't know. And again, it's hard to think that that guy, I don't think of him as evil. I just think of him as dumb. Like if you're this, if it's, if it's 2022 and you're a grown human being and you still believe that you're on some kind of mission from God, grow the fuck up already. No, exactly. Just God grow up. And, that was the, and, and she even said, how did God tell you? Yeah, exactly. How did God tell you? Yeah, well, explain that to yeah. us. Yeah. Well, God told he because there's and that's why I mm-hmm. want you all to watch this because there's a point mm-hmm. early on where he goes and I prayed and God told me to put a convoy together and go to Ottawa. Did he? Yeah. Did he really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> did he? He, he God said, said go words. to Ottawa and disrupt the lives of all those people. That's right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get on to something else or maybe more of the same. With our good friend from France, Jeff Lumby, standing by. Jeff will be our uh, Gig Sky guest of the day. And while he's, uh, once we get him comfortable here, I can tell you about, uh, you know, if you're traveling, let me make sure Jeff's going to, let me get Jeff on first here. Am I there? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, man. Okay, I don't have you. It's funny. Hey guys! Hey buddy! What? Just uh, once we get your camera on, I'm going to tell everyone how you are the Gig Sky guest of the day. Yeah, I know, and, and you know I, it was on, and now it's off, and I okay. can't uh, figure out that uh, there's a Zoom ad on, so I I don't know. Okay, well I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to tell people that even though things are starting to open up, or maybe because of the fact that things are starting to open up. Let me start that sentence again. Download the Gig Download the Gig Sky app on Android or iOS to access affordable mobile data coverage in over 190 countries using your phone's eSIM. You can go visit Jeff and Julie in France. It's the easiest, most affordable and convenient way to stay connected internationally. You know, we both had opportunities, Fred and I, to use the Gig Sky. I I've, I've, I've used that hotspot. 
in the most remotest parts of the world. I, I was on a trip in Iceland with Charlie. You were doing it on your road trip. It's oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yes. Download the app today. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit gigsky.com. For more information, our guest today, Jeff Lumby, brought to you by GigSky, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. And we welcome the host, co-host of Jeff and Julie Move to France in a global pandemic. It's Jeff Lumby. Hey, you got the Steely Dan going big time this morning? Yeah. Loving it? Giving that to you because I, I knew you were coming on. You, you and I, Dan and Fred, we're all Steely Dan fans. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, I forgot. That. <laughs> Can I? Yeah, Can go I, ahead. Please? Go ahead. Can I? I don't care. It was just one of, uh, it was another one of the many times <laughs> where Howard just about got in a fight. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you, we, you were there, Fred, the, the, the Massey Hall one? Yes. Okay, so we went to see Steely Dan. They came, and we were lucky because it was just a few years before uh, Walter Becker passed. But so we went to see. They, they had two nights. One was. Uh, <laughs> All right, just oh, get man. to it. No, no, it just makes me laugh. You, you, you get so <laughs> amped up about things sometimes. Not yes, that I, I do, do, but yes. But anyway, it was really cool because the, the the one night, like say say it was the Tuesday, they did the they played the Royal Scam and then some of their new stuff, and then. The night we went, well, the the following night, it was Asia, yeah. and the, the, it was so good. The, the the evening was so cool because this really hot girl comes out. Is that? Can you say that? Um, and she, <laughs> Jesus. And there was a turntable. Remember, there was a turntable on on stage left, and she comes out, takes Asia out of the 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 album, the record, and puts it on the turntable, drops the needle down, and then they play that side straight through yeah she comes cool. and change anyway that was kind of cool but what was the guy there was a guy in front of us and what was he doing that made you so mad and and finally you leaned down and i think he kept turning around oh, no no i'll just were- tell you so we we i think we all went out for dinner and i think fred and dan or fred and darren were separate from us somehow or did we all go together did we all eat dinner before oh maybe because we anyway we came in while the opening the light the house lights were still up uh, almost up, and the opening act was just getting started, and so, and people like us were coming in maybe a little bit late for the opening act, yeah. And we all were filing in our seats, and, and it's, that, it's, it's tight. It's, it's tight. very tight at Massey right. Hall, right? So all I remember is everyone went past this guy who had his arm around his girlfriend. And somebody bumped his arm, but he turned around to see me. I don't know. We exchanged, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but we exchanged some guff. Like he was sort of like you know giving me shit for having hit you know, or something like uh, he said something like you guys are late or sit down already or whatever it was. You know, just and, a- and your your response was you leaned right into his face and said. Shut up, or I'll make your life a living hell. <laughs> no, it was something to it's that. Something effect. like that. I think I said. Uh, I think because I was a little. I had was when I was still drinking. I think I leaned in and said uh, something to the effect of, "I will fucking end you if you don't." <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it was even worse than oh, what yeah. I said. Oh yeah. Well, that could be taken as a threat. I think. Oh I no, it was a complete you. threat. I will end you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah. It did shut. It did shut. Oh, it did. He never turned around again. He was scared shitless. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That was uh, fun. I, but no, I talked to Jeff uh, last week because I we ha- we caught up for the first time since I was away, and you and I were away, Fred. And and I one of the questions I think is 
you know, I'm fascinating to a lot of people who know that Jeff lives in France, and I wanted mm-hmm. to know what what the feeling in France was yeah. right now during the stuff that's going on in the stuff, the uh, invasion yeah. of the Ukraine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just it's so sad as as it is where wherever you live, the whole thing is just. And honestly, if this guy didn't have access to nuclear weapons, he'd be a vapor trail right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, yeah, we feel a little closer, obviously, to the situation because it mm-hmm. isn't. But still, it's not like we can hear them, hear them or anything. When we're still quite a ways away. Um, one thing I will say is there, there and, and I'm sure this is worldwide, but in in Europe, the assistance that has come from the EU for the Ukrainians is unbelievable. I don't know if you read this morning, uh, a, 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 a real truck. I, I was listening to your stuff about Pat King, man, that is, but, but a real convoy mm-hmm. uh, of, of freedom is headed there from Ireland, 500 tons of supplies mm-hmm. just left this morning from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we contributed, you know, you try and do your little part, right? So Julie read that our little hamlet here of 2,400 people had a collection spot. And so they, they were suggesting all the things to buy. So Julie went out and bought a whole ton of hygiene products, you know, toothpaste, all the kind of stuff that that they asked for, went to the depot where they were organizing it, opened the door and was just taken aback. This this entire sort of mini warehouse was jammed to the rafters with, you know, coats, sleeping bags, hygiene products. And they they had volunteers in there. Remember, this is we're twenty four hundred people in this area. There are these collection areas everywhere. And in our little area, just jammed. The the response was incredible. And uh, and they had volunteers in there. And they were all putting everything in. Okay, this is frontline stuff. This mm. is this is refugee stuff. This is you know what I mean. It was just it's incredible. So so from that point of view, it was, it was kind of edifying, I guess, to just to see the the type of real real support that that the Ukraine has. Is there any part of you being in mainland Europe and given you know the history of world wars, uh, being where you are? make you feel vulnerable at all or a little more nervous or is it really negligible from that standpoint i i don't get any i actually feel more protected here i mean first of all france is the biggest you know uh, armed forces in in the eu and it's really interesting since we moved here this is before the invasion Mm -hmm. we get these their fighter uh jets Fly mm-hmm. over our house at honestly, I'm going to say four or five hundred feet, mm. a couple times a week. Wow, scares the bejeez out of you. Because uh, is there, a, so is there a base near you? There is a base, and I mean near when you're flying that right. fast. I think it's uh, I think it's uh, you know mm-hmm. twenty or thirty miles. But they just you know it's like you hear this and they just go right over the, mm-hmm, the house mm-hmm. and the dogs go bananas but <laughs> but i actually feel pretty secure here well, you know good i, I, I really wanted do. to ask you know because both of us are from western canada and I, I i sort of touched on it briefly this morning about growing up out there and and i was in alberta when you know the reform party began i think you and i were still out west when the aryan nation had all that stuff in in southern alberta but growing up in saskatchewan i i don't know i never really felt 
any of this, did you? I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. I mean, we had our <clears throat> our forces base. That wasn't CFP Moose Jaw, yeah, yeah, CFP. But I'm just no. I meant more of the sort of the racist, the 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 the, oh, the convoy stuff. Oh. stuff. No, no. I mean, there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of diversity. Okay, that, that that's fair because that's just a fact. There just wasn't. But uh, it's it's funny. One of my one of my best friends in in public school was the only black kid in the school, and his name was his name. He lives in Toronto right now. His name is Lincoln Park, like just like yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. His name is Lincoln Park, and Lincoln. Uh, I, I I got in uh, when I was living in Oakville. You remember my place in Oakville? I, I got in touch with Lincoln, and we we we've been friends all all these years. But no, there, there was never that sense of uh of racism and lincoln was the only as i said the only black kid in the school and he didn't that i knew of he didn't have any difficulties yeah uh i don't know even look at me growing up in scarborough in the 70s i mean there was hardly any like visible minorities at all and how much that's changed and Mm -hmm. but again that and then that's another thing too you would expect like toronto like the major population base that might be where that stuff starts and grows but it's interesting it's alberta well part of it too is that, and we mentioned this and, and jeff knows this as well as anyone that alberta saskatchewan western canada in general has always felt a little left out of the political yeah, totally left out and and, yeah. and, and well they you know, are they are yeah, they and are. so it, it's as i said there's a combination of feeling like you don't have any impact on what goes on in ottawa and a history of the creation of sort of a white supremacist movement. You know, one of the things in this fifth estate I wrote down, one of the things that one of the organizers said is that it's anarchy is, has been anarchy is accelerating. Like this isn't the end. Like those people out West. Yes. They got the truckers to leave Ottawa, but it isn't over for those people. And that's what's sort of scary. I mean, Ukraine aside in, 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 in side of Canada, that's what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and, and I mean, if you go back to the Reform Party and and let, let's take the sort of the politics out of it, you know, what what what's happening in our country is and some people pine for it in the state, say, well, I wish we had more representation. But the problem is, you know, like, OK, so if remember when Ralph Nader joined uh, as a third party candidate. It was a gift for the Republicans. And when Ross Perot, when Ross Perot joined as a third party candidate, it was a gift for the. Yes. So it works in the opposite way as it's intended to. Mm. So so it becomes it becomes very difficult for third parties or multi parties to to get a. uh, I mean, so for the reform party, when Preston Manning took over, well, that was a free ride for the liberals for what, 12 years? Yeah. 16 years. You know, I mean, so I, I. I don't know if, if there's a point to it all. Well, it's happening here in Ontario right now. There's a new party that's uh, popped up called the New Blue Party. And what it's going to do is peel off all the far-right people um, from the uh, Conservative Party, uh, progressive conservatives in Ontario. So all it's going to do is give the, the Liberals a free ride right up the middle. Cause, exactly and again, I don't know how established they are, but listen, it's always so close, like... 
I, it's going to have an effect. What it's going to do is, as you say, Jeff, it's going to have a counter effect. It's going to guarantee the conservatives can't win the next election. You you almost think that in all the history of third parties or multi mm-hmm. new parties, you almost think that they were organized by the opposite side. Yeah, yeah almost. It, it, sure. It, 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 it just sounds like that. Well, why, and, and why not? You know, I just remembered something. And, and, and I played golf uh, one time out there in, in Palm Springs with a guy from Alberta. And when he found out I was from Toronto, it's that typical... That typical reaction, but except this time, Freddie, he said, "You got to stop electing that fucking Trudeau." That's their perception. Is that's we're electing them? Of course, you know mm-hmm. it, the first thing he does is, "Oh, you're from Toronto." He gives me kind of a, a mm-hmm. playful shot. I go, "Well, I'm originally from Moose Jaw," and then everything is forgiven. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> and right away, it's like, "Oh, okay." All right, you're fine. But that's the perception out there that we in Toronto just keep electing the liberals. Well, but 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 honestly, I mean, we he's do. not too far we he's do. not too far off base. We, uh, it, that's that's exactly kind of what happens. It, it is. And and I I do feel for Alberta because they haven't had a good track record with the Trudeaus. Okay? No. I mean, they shut down Calgary uh in in the early 80s. That was a ghost town. Uh, you know, and uh, all oil-based and it seems to be happening again. I don't know. I, I, I do, I do know where the the grassroots is coming from out there. I mean, it comes from an honest place. It's just that what happens is the alt right connects to mm-hmm. that kind of a movement and yeah, gives it a bad name. I, I said that. I said it comes from one of the first things we talked about when this started happening, Fred and I. And I, I said not understanding where it comes from is to not get why a lot of people would have gotten in their trucks. And that's why I said this morning, I feel kind of bad for some of the people that were sort of innocently going along thinking, hey, you know, mm-hmm. we need to make some changes, blah, 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 blah. But then they don't really know the, the origins, which is all right. And as you say, they attach themselves to it. And this idea of some misguided idea of, well, got to live our lives. And as I said to Fred this morning, you want to see people whose lives have been disrupted. Watch those mm-hmm. fucking Ukrainian people have to leave their homes. That's what a lack of freedom is. Well, the fact that all these trucks... And I think you alluded to it earlier, uh, Fred, but all these trucks were allowed to come all the way across the country with police escort to snarl up a city for two Mm -hmm. and three weeks. Tells you all you need to know about freedoms in Canada. Yes. Okay, this is all you need to know. And uh, a mutual friend of ours was telling me about how militant the parking tickets are in in ottawa okay mm-hmm. so he said you're two minutes after that that little yeah. thing clicks off and you're nailed in that city or or if you're in a tollway zone and you're one minute late mm-hmm. your car's gone meanwhile these guys come into the city and get free reign and get preferential treatment and and, and you know he, he also went on to say hey it's one thing you come in you do your protest that's what that's what it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it's for, and yeah, yeah. But then, okay, protest over. Okay, bye bye. You yeah. know, like and I, that I, didn't I, happen. I think I read Ottawa like has over two hundred protests a year, right? People come and they protest and they go, and that's what mm-hmm. a free society is all about. You know, on those parking tickets, that's what was driving the citizens of Ottawa crazy too. Yeah. All none of these guys in the city core were getting parking tickets for doing what they were doing, but just on the outskirts, oh, they were still handing them out to the citizens. Yeah, you know, just uh, outside of the city, uh, it, was, it was business as usual. They were getting nailed for parking one minute overtime. You know, and that's the thing that never comes up in these interviews you hear with the organizers, Pat King, whoever, they never want to acknowledge that their little freedom protest, and again, it's, they should be embarrassed, but 
They never want to acknowledge how they took away the freedoms of the people in the city, yeah. in the in the surrounding areas, honking their horns. And at one point in that interview, a eh, Freddie says, "Like, well, it's just a little bit of honking." Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, fucker face, how about we come to your home, just honk a horn for about three weeks and see if you think oh, it's just a little honking. Yeah, that, that's CBC. That CBC woman should have said that. Hey, fucker face. Yeah, she should. Yeah, that would have <laughs> been great. I'm well, sorry, I Jeff. Would, what were you saying? I was thinking about that. Like, I was thinking, is there anybody from Toronto who wouldn't mind make, making a little trip over to Pat King's house with a big semi and just sit out front? Howard, and what on that special, wasn't it weird that a lot of the people, the face of that movement, they all had beards and gravelly voices? What's that all about, too? I don't know. They just all smoked. seemed to look alike. <laughs> they all had too many smokes. Too many I smokes know. and bats. Hey, uh, let's talk about something a little more pleasant. Jeff and Julie moved to France in the middle of a global pandemic is uh, now sweeping the nation. Lumbee, our friend here, has not only put together uh, multiple episodes now. I think they're up to episode we nine. Have, we have we have nine out there. Yeah, we've recorded, I think, uh, 12 now. And but, yeah. Jeff and Julie uh, moved to France has a Facebook page. We encourage you to, you know, follow along. It's it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, this this last episode we do, uh, the, the episode that's on right now, we do some comparisons between France and Canada. Now that we've been here for, you know, over a year, we can safely say that, okay, this bread is better than this bread and this toilet paper is better than this. We can, you know, so so mm-hmm. we did that. And then and then uh, we, we thought it was time that the people who are, listening to the podcast knew a little bit more about us so julie told uh, the story of uh, when we met so that was oh, she did, yeah our... it's interesting because I, I was listening to that podcast and uh i thought that there was an interesting little uh, anecdote fred you might be interested in this as well about how julie and jeff met i i have that clip would you like to hear it well i would uh, love to mm-hmm. i don't know if there's well we, no there's time we, i mean you had a great story you sure about you had a great story about me freak another great another story where i threatened somebody's life that's <laughs> I, think the last, yeah, I think the second last time i threatened somebody's life was yours by the way yeah that's probably true <laughs> that's probably but, true but here's a little clip of uh, this is julie oh. jeff's wife who by the way everyone if you haven't heard the podcast what you're about to hear is just how good she is as well uh, Jeff's obviously an accomplished broadcaster, but Jeff's wife, her voice is great. Here's Jeff. Uh, here's Julie telling the story of how Jeff and Julie met. I felt like that was the least pleasant experience of all my radio tours. So fast forward another uh, six months and, and we have another campaign. And I'm, oh, another jo- beauty, huh? Another, yep, coming back. And so I, I, I get let into the radio station. This time you're not in the booth, mm-hmm. but your partner is and so he was so nice mm-hmm. and i sat down in your chair howard and mm-hmm. howard was being you know th- flirty and 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 nice and <laughs> and all of a sudden you walk back in and you tell me to get out of your chair oh yeah that's what i said get, out, said, of my get ch- out of my chair <laughs> i did not say. yes you did and so i left and again i'm going oh my goodness i can't believe it like and uh but howard was really sweet Howard. so i got the, the people who uh, uh, enabled me to get into the building yes. i asked them to hand um you guys my business card mm-hmm. um and uh, and he did the next day yes he did and i thought 100 percent howard was going to call me <laughs> and 
Instead, Mr. Happy called me <laughs> to ask me out to, oh, do you remember the film? Bull Durham. Bull Durham, yeah. right? Because we were doing a movie. Oh, can I talk or... Oh, wait, no, no. So I, I accepted the invitation because yeah. it was a free movie, and I thought, <laughs> I thought that I might run into Howard. So there you go. <laughs> that's how we met. That's funny. Yeah, that's so I remember that. So many levels. No, no, no. That, the part by that the surprised way. me, by the way, I knew that story, but the part that surprised me is that Julie thought that I was going to call and ask her out. And at the time, I was already dating ex-wife Randy. That's right. That's why I grabbed the card out of your hand. Yes, you did. Because you had the card in your hand. I grabbed the card, and I think I said something to the effect of, you already have one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, meaning a girlfriend. So yes. I grabbed the card under your hand. Now, would, would this impress you at all? I don't know if you listen to the rest of the broadcast, uh, but would it impress you to know that I still have the card? That is impressive. Oh, how romantic. Yeah. Isn't that romantic? Um, Jeff, if you were interested in her, why were you so gruff with her? Well, no, I, I didn't say get out of my chair. Yes, That's you did. Well, she claims you did. Well, no, she's lying. Oh, is she? <laughs> it's funny. I, I wasn't gruff. She seems so said, sincere. I, I, I think you're in my chair is probably what I said. And, no, and I again, I used to resent the fact that these people, uh, this Blitz advertising guy, used to have access to all the radio stations, you know, planning out. You got your whole show planned out. Everything's done. You look up. Oh, crap. There's some person with a smock and a fake needle. And, you know, no, I, and know. I, just, I just I just didn't look at it that way. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do my job. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you did say, though, huh, get out of my chair. I didn't say But even if you said, I think you're in my chair, that sort of like, we all know it's your chair. So, you, yeah, it would have probably been a bit cold. We know what I remember from that studio, though. <laughs> I remember. I love that stuff. I remember that Jeff at the time, this is, he, he was not a big fan of me smoking. And we were still allowed to smoke in the radio station. So I used oh. to stand in that doorway. That's right. Because I was on the other side. I was on the other side of the studio. But I would stand during the songs when I wanted to have my cigarettes. You were at least tolerant, excuse me, tolerant enough of me. But I remember that. Just sort of like, okay, if I can't smoke in the studio, I'll go stand out here. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's, that's how long that's ago that so was. so long ago that we were allowed to do that. Well, huh? same with Fred yeah. and I. When we first started working together, we could. I smoked in the CFNY studios for a good few, you know, at least a couple of years. Was this before your cigar career as well, Jim? Yeah. Oh, oh. oh, long before. My yeah. cigar career began at Dan Duran's Stag. Oh, really? Because Bruce Mallory brought these cigars, these Romeo Juliettas from Cuba for, right. I don't know, you remember the stag? It was at uh, Filthy McNasty's in Oakville. For yes, right. That's yeah, right. right. That's where my cigar career began. That, <laughs> That's right. That night. We all went to his stag, but none of us went to his wedding. <laughs> <laughs> As I've told Dan before, you get married here, and then there's this thing called a honeymoon. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Malta. Not the other way around. Um, That's right. It's funny that you started smoking cigars at that stag. I started drinking wine. I never drank wine until my 40th birthday. And then... Well, you sure took the I ball did, and I ran did. with it, didn't you? I <laughs> made up for some lost years. Listen, man, I drank most... I drank a lot of wine with you. And then people... I, I, Jeff, this is what I love about Lumby. Lumby doesn't do anything halfway. So Lumby had an interest in wine, like a lot of us in those days. You know, I was looking around and trying to do a little research. Jeff's turned himself into, I correct me, a level one or level two 
sommelier. I've, I've got I've got three levels of three. the W set. Uh, the the one before you uh, become uh, a sommelier. Yeah, but, but, it, it's 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 so difficult and and nerdy. Uh, yeah, I got as far as where I was able to identify. Well, wait a second. So you're not you're not you're not a, you're, you're not a real sommelier. Like you couldn't go work in a restaurant, not even like a. With my cr- accreditation, I, I would be an instant hire at like the LCBL, something oh, like okay. that. Well, I was going to say maybe at a smaller restaurant like a Subway or a <laughs> <laughs> one of those places. Yeah, th- th- there's a beautiful pairing for the Canadian club. <laughs> mm-hmm. That um, I've got. Uh, I find that interesting. So at Dan's stay, what would make you even reach for the cigar or say, yeah, I'll try that? If you had never smoked before, in fact, you didn't like smokers yeah. or smoking. I know. What would, what, I, I don't know. Would like, that happen? You know, Bruce used to love the cigars, right? And, right. And, uh, and so he, it was just this fresh box and it was, it just looked. <laughs> It's so romantic. It was yeah. just so sexy. These these beautiful c- cigars from Cuba, and oh man, and they smell like oh, I didn't realize yeah. they smelled like that. And yeah. I don't know. I had two of them that night. I was green. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at the time that Julie tells that story, it's 1988. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, Lumby. You were I was 28, so you would have been close to 30. You didn't drink alcohol at that no. point. Jeff and I, I we would go out for like drink or we'd go out for dinner and he would have milk. I started drinking when I moved in with Hazy, Brian Hayward in Montreal. Wow. And and I said, I said, like I said, the, I said, I can't drink beer. It leaves me very unsettled. And he said, try a Corona. And that was my gateway right there. Corona wow. was my so, gateway beer. So in... Um... <laughs> Is there a good French cigar? Like, are you still smoking cigars? Yeah, no, I have. Uh, I I order them online. I've got. I built. I built a humidor and everything. Right. Uh, nice cabinet, cabinet sized mm-hmm. humidor, glass doors. The whole. And, and and what's your drink of choice with a nice cigar? Well, do you, okay. You know what I learned in cigar aficionado years ago. What do you mm. think the number? What do you think the number one drink with a cigar is? I'm going to guess uh, red wine. Okay. I'd say right. like a bourbon, a cavassier or something. See, bourbon is for me. That's what I like. Do you know what the number one drink with cigars is? What? Co- coffee. Coffee? Coffee. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. And so I, I, I do enjoy a coffee with a cigar or red wine or bourbon. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I would never have thought of that. Hey, uh, we got to let you go. But next time uh, we can talk because you mentioned that you were roommates with Brian Hayward, who was the uh, backup goalie for the Montreal Canadiens. Now a fantastic broadcaster, I think, was San Jose. Yeah. No, he's with the Ducks. Ducks, okay. Yeah. So maybe he, he next played, time, his last team that he played for was yeah. with San, San Jose. Jose. So maybe next I, time, I, I, I think the Leafs could use him now. In <laughs> That's right oh, in his fifties. But let me next time four games coming up in the we, first no, round. We got to have you tell the story of you going on the ice at the old Montreal Forum. Oh yes, at practice one day. Because Lum and we'll just tease this. Lumby said to Hay because Jeff and I both played hockey together. Lumby said to Hazy or Hayward that uh, I bet you I can score on you, or that was the bet. And Hazy said, "I'll, you, I'll give you ten shots. You won't score one goal on me." 
And, Something like uh, that, but yeah. it was in, it was in Winnipeg. But I was oh, it was in Winnipeg, okay. Too. But yeah, we'll we'll yeah we'll tell that story. That's a good one. Jeff and Julie moved to France during global pandemic, uh, produced uh, lovingly by this uh, company, Humble and Fred Radio or Humble Fred. I don't even know what we're calling ourselves, but go to our website and you can see uh, Jeff's uh, podcast is up there with Julie. Also, Jeff's Facebook page and uh, Jeff, our gig sky guest of the day. Thanks, pal. Great job. Thanks, Cheers, Jeff. guys. See ya. All right, take it easy. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe, brother. And um, you got a couple of people you want to tell us about, Fred. Yeah, I do. Uh, speaking of our Maple Leafs, they're actually favored over the Dallas Stars tonight. Amazing you could be favored when you do not have a goaltender. It's amazing. But the Maple Leafs are favored. Dallas so what do they do? They just turn the net around now? Yeah, I think they, yeah. Or put a snow <laughs> shovel in there. I, I don't Anyway, the Dallas Stars pay $125 to win. The over-under is six, which seems low given that the Leafs give up five goals a game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just very interesting. This whole Maple Leaf <laughs> yeah. thing, the way it's spiraling out of control again. Hey, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From our industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook at Feature Rich Poker Room, uh, to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Yeah, it's all there, and you can bet, wager on uh, the uh, big uh, North American sports, uh, individual games. It really is a lot of entertainment. That's your Bodog. So, yeah, I'm seeing that theme over and over again now on uh, some of the golf chats that I observe. A bunch of my buddies are huge Leaf fans, and they're all complaining about the goaltending. Speaking of golf, yesterday they wrapped up the Players' Championship. Did you get a chance to watch any of it? Yeah, I watched uh, probably the last hour and a half, yeah. You know, it's exciting. You know, the guy's got a three-shot lead, this Cameron Smith, who's a superstar. I know you've never heard of him, but I have. Very, very high-ranking world player, and and he's got a three-shot lead. He's also got a mullet, but that's a whole other story. No, I was going to say, I I remembered him because of the mullet. The mullet's stupid, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he hits it in the trees on 18, which is what you're supposed to do. You got a three-shot lead. First of all, if I'm his caddy, I don't know why he hit driver. It was stupid to me. He's got a three-shot lead. All he has to do is make a bogey. That's a five. And and the thing's over. And so the first thing he does is he takes driver out and he and does the right thing because there's water down the left-hand side. And anyone listening that knows what I'm talking about knows it. It doesn't matter. And then he, all he has to do is chip it back to the fairway. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. literally the, 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 the simplest thing for a professional golfer to do. Just right. get it back in play. Go, go 90 degrees sideways. So number one, he hits driver. That's dumb. Number two, he, neck, now he chips it out and it goes in the water. Now, he happens to be one of the best people on planet Earth at hitting that shot that he hit. That's why he hit mm-hmm. it to two feet. But any little mistake there, now he makes double bogey. And, and this mm-hmm. kid behind him mm-hmm. uh, c- could have had a chance to tie him. Oh, yeah. In but, fact, I fully expected that to happen because I thought where he is, I mean, he's got to put it pretty close to the pin because any, any putt of any length, yeah, we're staring right down. We're staring at, at a playoff. At a playoff, yeah. But, you know, his shot on the, on the island green on uh, a 17 there. Huge mistake. 
There's no way he was aiming there. No way in the world. You think that was a mistake? Because I thought, because I said to my mother-in-law, I says, look where that pin is. Yeah. Like, what's he, like. That that was ballsy. So you you're saying that was a mistake. Everyone, I, I, you know, if you, again, I'm on golf Twitter all afternoon, and right. as soon as he hit that shot, it was just was like a bunch of guys going wrong mistake. If you're leading at that point, he's got a two shot lead, right? And all he's trying to do is get the thing on the green anywhere. Right. I, I, he said later that he was trying to get it on the lower level, so he because if you get it too far left, you could three putt it. But when he yeah. hit it, I thought he was going in the water. There was yeah. no way he meant to do that. I mean, it, you, you could see he sort of smiled at his caddy like, right. I got away with that. Mm-hmm. And it and became then, a birdie. Well, then he makes, because he's, he's, awesome, oh, he's got a great short game. He's a great putter. He makes birdie, mm-hmm. goes to the next tee with a three-shot lead. Honestly, Fred, and I'm not a tour player, but no one I know at any higher level would have hit mm-hmm. driver off that. They, and he's an amazing. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was hit a long iron somewhere on the grass, yeah, get it somewhere near the green, make a bogey and move on. And mm-hmm. he ends up winning the highest single uh, payout in, in PGA tour history uh, yesterday, $3.6 million. And the you guy that finished I- second made two point something million. But I love like, so he was hitting four after the water yeah. to put it that close to the, like that, like, that's what I love about these guys. Like, because I said to my mother-in-law, man, he's got to, you know, if, if he doesn't put this pretty close to the pin, it's probably going to be a playoff. And then he just does. Like, yeah. it almost went in. No, I know. And I felt bad. In. This kid behind him, uh, Anurban Lahari, is the, uh, the, the one of the most popular players from India. And uh, it would have been amazing for him to win you notice he's sponsored by hero that's uh, the world's largest maker of they're a motorcycle company but where they have their business is in you know east asia and south asia supplying scooters to that population so it's a huge you know it's a it would have been a huge thing for him to win and uh after cam smith hit it in the water on his second shot i thought you know this Maybe this is that guy's day. You know, you never know. Yeah. And but it's it just fun. so funny how it turns around because he takes a three-shot lead in the 18th and think, oh, this is over. And then just like, bang, that. It's like, oh, maybe it's not. I, I, I was about to leave, take Stan for a walk because I thought, okay, three shots. There's no way. Because even if the <laughs> underband Lahari guy makes a birdie, he's not going to win. And then, then when he hit in the water, I'm like, oh, I guess I should stay. Uh, Dan Duran is back. Uh Hello. Wait, can I ask you a quick? Can yeah. I ask you a quick question about that? Yeah. As, as far as a golfer goes, or any kind of performance sport like that, when the amount of money involved, is there a threshold where okay, so five hundred thousand dollars? Is there another another amount of money that that makes the pressure even greater, or is it just like at a certain point then it's just pressure, pressure, pressure? It's, that's a great point. That's a great question. Money to these guys, like. Everyone who played yesterday afternoon was already a multimillionaire, maybe with the exception of a few of the younger kids, but they're all making millions a year. But there is a point. It's the it's the it's the level of championship. That is one of the five or six most coveted tournaments to win in all of that sport. And as I mentioned, it's the single biggest payout in history. So I think there was a point where, yes, maybe in the trees there, he got a little bit. Who knows what it does to you physically, but I mean, I'm sure I don't think he was thinking of the money, but it was a pretty big moment for him. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, like I would say, you know, in any sport, football or, or hockey, in a championship situation, mm. Super Bowl, playoff, you know, the Stanley Cup, you never know how your body's going to react, and guys do funny things. Mm-hmm. Individual yeah. sports exacerbate it, like tennis and golf. And I think curling has a, an element of that, strangely enough, where when it comes down to the last shot, last rock in a big tournament, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, you might lose control of your ability to, you know, manipulate your body in a certain way. I don't know. Well, look at Johnny Slapshot's uh, final the other day. Exactly. It shows you what can happen. <laughs> hey, have you ever played Sawgrass? No. No. Oh. Although I've played a replica of that green. There's a yeah, place in... Uh, in wooden, Yeah, wooden sticks. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about that green. It's 136 yards or whatever it is. Yeah. And if it wasn't surrounded by water... And there weren't 10,000 people watching you. Not one of those pros would ever miss that green. Not right. one of them. Ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever. They stand there all day, hit it all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Dan Duran, are you ready to do what you do best? Sure am. All right. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lakeside, brought to you by the good folks at HealthGage. HealthGage.com is where you go to get 15% off this amazing HealthGage Phoenix Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. Here's Dan Duran. Here's how reading a kid's book to kids can get you fired. A vice principal in Mississippi at the last minute was asked to host a Zoom call with a grade two class as the original host and show. So he uh, grabbed a favorite book. And he read it, and the book was called I Need a New Butt by Don McMillan. Now, it's targeted, <laughs> it's targeted at kids from 4 to 10, which, you know, grade 2, it's right in the, in the zone there, around 7 years old or so. Uh, it follows the story of a boy who noticed the crack in his butt for the first time and mistakenly believes it must be broken, so he decides to find a new one. Hmm. Anyway, the kids loved it, and the <laughs> of course, <laughs> and the superintendent of the school system called him into his office or her office and uh, asked him to resign, which he didn't, and then he was fired. Why? Uh, Unnecessary embarrassment, a lack of professionalism, and impaired judgment in picking that particular book. Uh, I guess I guess the word butt and the concept of it was part of it. And then there was also fart. I guess the word fart. Mm. Would you like me to read a couple uh, of paragraphs? Uh, wait a second. Yeah. Was his principal JJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please read from what is the name of the book? I Need a New Butt by Don McMillan. Excellent. I Need a New Butt. Mine's got a crack. I can see it in the mirror, a crack in the back. Did I do it on the slide or on the banister inside or when I jumped my BMX or with the fart that happened next? Of course, the fart. That's what blew my butt ap- apart. There you go. I love that. <laughs> goes on and on. But, and, you know, kids you would that's love, probably offending. Kids would love that and laugh. and But then it only takes like a couple of parents to hear about it. And 
I know. When, oh, and boy. such hypocrites, too, because, yeah. of course, the parents are saying, you know, all kinds of things in front of their kids. Uh, when Dan was a young boy, he was influenced by one of his teachers who uh, read to the class a story called, My Wang is Too Big for My Pants. <laughs> and it was a very, <laughs> all the kids loved it. Yeah. And, you uh, fired, too. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss as well. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, the bum thing. Isn't that interesting, though, if he had a read a book about your wang as opposed to your butt? Like, would that would that have been perceived as even worse? Like, there's a lot of there's weird all, things. Listen, there's all kinds of those books out there. You know, those goofy little things about poop and farts. And, you know, it's part of a kid's development, you know, if presented properly like what's the big freaking deal yeah well you know i i my my thought uh, though dan and fred is it dan and fred that yes yeah there had to be something else in this teacher's past for them to fire that person just for reading that book you think so but nowadays who knows i don't know I, so I, that that question came up, and he uh, that guy said, "Hey, I've 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 never have been uh, sanctioned in any way whatsoever. My my employment record's solid. I've never been even late." Well, then that's crazy. Day. And they're they're appealing it, and there's all kinds of people, you know, coming out of uh, various you know literary uh, circles and mm-hmm. and uh, legal circles that are trying to help him out and get his job back. So I guess there's a hearing at the end of this month. Wow. I, I mean, it sort of ties in. I don't know if you have another story, but I, I part of me sort of relates to this thing that was going on in Florida, and I don't have all the facts about. And we sort of brought it up a week ago about sort of taking any references to gay or transsexual, whatever, out of this curriculum for little mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. and it's caused a big stir, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have come out and again if i don't have all the facts uh, mm-hmm. in front of me but you know that i understand more than this like there might be a conversation to be had for somebody in grade three maybe not being exposed to that level of sexual mm-hmm. um complication we'll say not that it, I, I don't and i don't want to say the wrong thing but that level of sexual uh, education at in grade yes. twos and threes, there's there's a conversation to be had, and doesn't make you anti-gay or or uh, homophobe if you think. Man, I don't know if I want my kid in grade two to really start to have to think about trans people, and and that's not that they shouldn't at some point be educated about it, but maybe the conversation is about the the age at which that becomes mm-hmm. part of it. Look! Look how lightly you're treading through that. I know, and I and I know exactly where you're. Co- I thought the same thing, Howard. Listen, I like to be open minded too. But when I read some of that stuff, I thought, you know, talk about information overload. I mean, they're just kids out the playground going to school. Do they really need to deal with that now? R- really, on any level, um, there is a conversation, and I don't know as, as a parent whether I'd be comfortable with that. You know, you can feel it. There's a time for that. There's a lot, but a lot of legislation in the states is based on something you know politicians want to making uh, making a noise, yes, rather than there actually being an issue. So was there an actual right. incident where a kid was be? I would imagine that great any, point. You know, 
like teacher yes. worth their salt would not do anything that would be uh, inappropriate in that environment, right? <laughs> there would be a soft. No, I want to say that's a great point, Dan. That, that the, was was this a problem that needs solving? I don't know. Or just like this critical race theory, which most people have no idea. It's just become a buzzword for mm-hmm. right wing Republicans to, it's, it's a political um to have an issue to stand issue. on. It's not a real issue, although it should be. I mean, it should be. How do you, how you can not teach a population about your history is beyond me, but, but it's more of a political issue than an actual issue. Right. You know, and it all depends what's within the theory and how it's presented to the kids and all that. None of us can answer that. And that's that why I question. started saying I don't have all the facts about this. Yeah, and, and you know, even from a political standpoint, like, you know, if that school district is right in the middle of, you know, a hotbed of evangelicals, well, yeah, yeah, it makes political sense to question a book about a, a bum crack, you know, because those people don't like stuff like that. You know, where it could be somewhere else and it flies right under the radar and nobody even makes an, has a, uh, takes issue with it. But we're so far down the road of polarization yep. that you can't even say, well, you know, forget DeSantis, but there might be a point to not teaching kids in grades one, two, and three, mm-hmm. you know, or, or getting into details. Oh, I, I don't yes. know when that is, because I, I, my kids are, I can't remember mm-hmm. when you start having conversations about sexuality, but... But even saying that, you know, maybe that isn't the time or we could talk about that makes mm-hmm. you seem like you're anti something when you're just saying, I don't know, I just like to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Dan Duran, do you have anything? Yeah, I, I, I have a couple things else, a couple more things for you, too. But uh, do you have any more stories, Dan? Oh, I do have one more story. Hang on, then. Stand by. Okay. And now with another story. Here's Dan Duran brought There's to you by... Story. another story. <laughs> Dan Duran continues to be brought to you by HealthGage. <laughs> HealthGage.com is where you go to get the HealthGage Phoenix. Humble Fred HG is the promo code for a 15% off uh, discount at checkout. Check it out. This is the first day in months I haven't had it on my wrist because I had to charge it up this morning. HealthGage.com, Humble Fred HG for 15%. And now we continue with Dan Daru. In the What a Way to Die file, a week ago Friday, guy working in a landfill, end of the workday, goes to the site porta potty to relieve himself. Meanwhile, guy in a bulldozer with his blade up, blocking his way a little bit, returning to base, hears a loud noise, and then realizes he ran over the porta potty with a guy inside taking a crap in it. Oh my God. Jesus. So that's. can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. But I started thinking about like, it's like, well, if you're going to go, this is an interesting, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an interesting way to go. Also, can you imagine that guy's butt fan? crack is really broken mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure? But also, can you imagine? I don't, you know, it's not. It's sort of funny. I mean, it's not because it's a tragedy, but also, you know, yeah. it's, it's like you always want to know how the guy died, and you'd be asking him. Hey, so what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, can you imagine that funeral? I hear that that conversation. Is that was that really how he died? He had the was taking the poo poo and he got run over by a bulldozer. Yeah, Yeah. no, I know it seems useless. Um, I don't know about you guys, but have you guys been fantasizing at all about how you would kill Vladimir Putin? (laughs) 
like, <laughs> would you torture him first? And no, I, get him I, to go. Honestly, last night I was just sitting on the couch and my mind went wild. And I, I had one of those lighters, you know, with the blue flame, and I burn his eyeballs first, and then. Oh, would you? Yeah. Well, how, about then, or, how about this? How about we cut his dick off? What? How about we get him to go into a porta potty and I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, I, okay, okay, so continue. You're going to burn his eyes and then cut his dick off. burn his eye. Yeah, maybe cut his dick off. Just anything that you would think would be... Okay, Ramsey Bolton. What else okay, would you, you do? Don't want, you don't want to eliminate him, like, too fast because you want him right. to suffer a bit first. So there's a... And the thing is, normally I wouldn't have the stomach for that, but then I would just think of all the pictures I've seen of, you know, the pregnant woman who died um, and her, yes. her baby died yesterday and... The old man, 75 years old, walking down the street with his, you know, half his brain hanging out. And it's like Putin sees this stuff and he has no heart. So, you know, those lighters with the blue flame. Yes, they I know. Some, they uh-huh. could do some big damage on Vladimir, you know. And by the way, you Game of, you Games of Thrones fans will love that reference. All of a sudden, it's Ramsey Bolton over here with Putin. He's going to feed him to feed Putin parts to the dogs, you know. Yes, Although, I'll yes, tell you what, yes, man. Howard. If you want to... if. I've been watching a lot of Games of Thrones lately for some reason, and I would tell you the way to kill Putin <clears throat> is the way that uh, Ramsey Bolden, his whole family, where they were the flayed men, that was their banner. And yes. When the, uh, that, to me, forget being in the porta potty or the big <laughs> lighter. If somebody peels back your skin, you're going to feel it. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. That's the thing to do. Peel the fucker's skin back or oh, flay I'd him. Love it. Yeah, and then put him in a porta potty. Yeah, take his take his fingernails off first, and then peel his skin back. Yeah, because here's the thing: back in those Games of Thrones times, Look at Dan's gonna be sick. In the in the Game <laughs> of Thrones time, were you like so? Many, everyone just got killed, and they didn't care. But those people that got flayed, they know they, that was a whole that was a terrible way to go. So that's the mm-hmm. way I would if I was ever fantasizing about. Fucking Vladimir Putin. I got to tell you, yesterday I had like a hit a wall of, I don't want to say sadness, but a wall of just a realization of just how deep in the shit we are here, fellas. Yeah. Like we're deep in it. Like I I got my uh, Raymond James portfolio uh, folder in the mail yesterday and I haven't opened it. I, I don't know that I want to. And I know if that's healthy or not, but I just don't want to be confronted with the, um, and you said this to me after the show, we were talking, Freddie and I, about you know what this is doing to our retirement plans. And by the way, this show you're listening to is our retirement plan. <laughs> well, we were talking so about... So give now and give generously. No, yeah, exactly. Patreons! <laughs> you know, come on, if you're a real humble and Fred patriot. But uh, I started thinking about that yesterday after our conversation about... You know, my future, our future, my kids' future, their kids' futures, etc. And, you know, this one guy, Vlad the fucking asshole, is now impacting all of our lives around the planet. And I thought about this, and I want your comments. Comma, he's impacting our lives in a way the pandemic didn't even impact our lives. Well, I, I was going to say that we, we, in our lifetime, have never had anything like the pandemic affect our lives. Unprecedented. And, Unprecedented, and then we are once again in unprecedented times. Yeah, with this affecting our lives, and it, you know the the biggest thing about this is that we don't know where it's going to end, nope, or how it's going to end. Because I can't, I can't see how it can end. 
because just of the way well, this this idiot is. So he well, can't he can't lose. So that means he'll keep going until he's dead, I guess. Well, that's it. And uh, some of the reports I heard last night. Again, this was on CNN, and I think on CBC News World too. There's more and more we're hearing stories of like uh, mutiny and desertion, and guys walking away. Like some of these Russian soldiers are being told to target apartment buildings, and they're just getting out of their 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 tanks and walking away. They don't want to do it. And I think if that really snowballs, mm-hmm. and it's going to take somebody on the inside too. I really believe. Um, and then on the flip side, because I, I, I'm the same way. I've spent a lot of time. I've been, I've had down moments too over the past week. Like then you get these hawks too, right? And some of them on Fox News. These old generals are going, "We should do the no-fly zone. We got to show guts. We got to show Americans going to lead the way." And it's like, okay, you're 75 fucking years old. You know, you've lived your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to say that, but what's the fallout? And what's the so fallout if, if you don't? I mean, if you don't stop this guy, yes. I mean, where, where, yeah. like, you know, yeah. and, and then there's the, the, on the precipice of a mistake being made now that they're getting close to the, uh, the Polish border. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's NATO territory right there. And if somebody throws a bomb or, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. goes off in the wrong place and all of a sudden we're in, we're, you know, it escalates pretty darn quickly. It's, it's, it's very, very dangerous, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a dangerous time right now in, in that area and for everybody in the world because it, it'll drag everybody. It's dragging everybody into it now. Well, that's why I said the globe. We had a global pandemic two years ago this week. It starts. Mm-hmm. It starts. The, the shutdowns began and we were all freaked out, you know, going to the grocery store and hoarding water and paper towels. And we thought, wow, you know, we'll never see uh, a mm-hmm. global uh, situation like this again in our lifetimes. And then at the heels of that. We have this. And that's why I said to you guys a couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm fatigued of having to check in on this stuff all mm-hmm. the time, you know? And was that part of the strategy for Putin to do this, you know? As knowing that the world is sort of fatigued by that, was that Maybe. part of the timing here? You know, because they're saying now, and you want to talk about timing, now they're afraid that China now could take this opportunity to go into Taiwan. Just because it's not the main focus. That wouldn't be the main focus. There's still COVID. There's now the Russian thing. And, oh, did you hear the Chinese went into Taiwan today? Just, well, there's a, I've also read some things that the whole Trump thing emboldened Putin. And not necessarily just because he was Trump, but the, the, the mm-hmm. division you know, that started to happen around the world and that they tried to foster with their, you know, whatever, whatever their campaigns, propaganda campaigns mm-hmm. into all the elections and stuff has sort of paid off for him. So it's, it's it, you know, not so united of a world. So, all right, let's take him, take my shot here. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for a long time. He's been setting this up for a long time. I you think. know, maybe the mirror, and I agree, maybe the miracle that we need, whatever, if you want to say it, is, is a, is an uprising inside of Russia an anti-Putin yeah. Russia, which, which is, if you look, there's, if you want to, I saw a couple things yesterday. That has already begun. Not just the soldiers saying, I'm not going to shell up an apartment building. It's, it's people inside of Russia. Maybe that's the break that we all are waiting for, is people there saying, no, we're not going to put up with this. We don't yeah, want to well, be ostracized on the world stage again. Well, you talk about bravery, different levels of bravery, but what about that woman yesterday who ran on 
the yeah. set on the set of of the you know the number one news propaganda machine in Russia with a sign saying "End War" and yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It, like it's, what do you think is going to happen to her? Well, she's disappeared already. Yeah. Of course, they don't, where, they don't know where she is. Yeah, so maybe that's you know whatever hope. And I, I know maybe it's maybe we're just uh, you know we're not built for this. Not just us in particular, but as I've said a few times, like our society is not built for inconvenience anymore. It's not built for delayed gratification. It's not built for sacrificing for others. We're just not mm-hmm. built that way. But as we've seen in Ukraine and and in Russia, that we there are people who are taking. You know, this is a serious. Probably the most serious thing that's happened in our lifetime, even more so than 9-11, because 9-11 was more of a, in a weird way, isolated incident. It didn't have, at the time, it seemed like a global thing. But as we look back on it now, it Mm -hmm. didn't have the global impact that this has. No. Would you take a three wood to Putin's head? Mm -hmm. I would do this. I would. uh, (laughs) Then Dan, it's your turn. (laughs) Okay. I would have him strapped down. I would tee up a three wood in his mouth. But then I I would hit it fat. (laughs) And then then I would flay him. Mm hmm. Uh, Dan, how would you torture him? I know what Dan would do. Dan. Oh, here we go. I know what Dan would do. I know what Dan would do. Dan would use his um, wiener like a, um, a sword and poke him. And he'd be like, no, Dan, no. Yeah. No, Dan, no. No more. Hey, just before we go, our buddy Mike Hannafin said this email yesterday. I think it was when Jackie was on. She said, you know, there's nothing worse than wearing a mask. And Mike Hannafin said this thing. Uh, There's nothing worse, really. Maybe you can incorporate that into a recurring bit. There's nothing worse than. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in, in, as he says, entitled inconvenience. But do you remember that moment yesterday when oh, she yeah. said that? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, we all do it, right? No, I, I think I even commented on, oh, really? I think there is something worse. Oh, no, you did. You did at uh, the time. Hey, by the way, uh, just before we leave the, the Ukraine situation... Uh, I came across this video I wanted to share with you guys, and and I'm not, I've said it again, I'm not anti-Joe Biden. I just didn't think he was the best guy for the job. He's And if and, and he's in a situation now, and I guess, certainly I would say that, better than Trump being in this situation, but not maybe the, like, it's too bad there isn't a, a leader, a more dynamic U.S. leader that might be able to galvanize whatever. But here he here's a guy that, uh, you know, we all admire. Here's a uh, little clip of uh, Barack Obama talking about this situation. But this clip's from four or five years ago. America has few economic interests in Ukraine. Seven years ago. We recognize the deep and complex history between Russia and Ukraine. But we cannot stand by when the sovereignty and territorial integrity of a nation is flagrantly violated. If that happens without consequence in Ukraine, it could happen to any nation gathered here today. That's the basis of the sanctions that the United States and our partners impose on Russia. It's not a desire to return to a Cold War. Now, within Russia, state-controlled media may describe these events as an example of a resurgent Russia. A view shared, by the way, by a number of U.S. uh, politicians and commentators who have always been deeply skeptical 
of Russia and seem to be convinced a new Cold War is in fact upon us. And yet look at the results. The Ukrainian people are more interested than ever in aligning with Europe instead of Russia. Sanctions have led to capital flight, a contracting economy, a fall in ruble, and the emigration of more educated Russians. Anyway, that's Obama talking to the UN in 2015, September 2015. And what I what I found fascinating, two things. One is, oh, that's what the, that's what the president's supposed to sound like. And the second the second thing I thought was, isn't that interesting that maybe part of this and, and Putin knew this seven years ago was Ukraine wanting to align itself with the West is bad for Russian domination business. Well, that's exactly what it is. And that's why yeah. what, what is scary to me is this is a country, Ukraine is a country wanting to be more like us, and he is a dictator who wants them to stay inside this other paradigm. It, well, no, it was, imagine old rem- empire. Yeah. Yes. It was, well, it was, it was all the NATO talk that got Putin going. He didn't yeah. want them to be part of NATO. And you could, from his perspective, he could understand that. Yeah. But that, but that was the uh, that was the uh, that was the trigger for the what we're going through now. Isn't it interesting too? You talk about again politics. Aside, you know, Sorry, po- politics is politics, right? You can debate politics all you want, but we often talk about the thing when you lose decency. That's a real big problem, and it's amazing. You know, I, still I see it. If I'm ever on the Fox News thing or any, you see any of the right wing stuff, it's just how how Trump is admired and Obama is vilified. Like, like where does that? Just from a, a again, forget politics. Just a decent human being. <laughs> People, you know, they they despise Obama, but Trump's okay. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird, especially when you hear him speak. And I, and I watched that yeah. speech a couple times yesterday. The rest of it's about 30 more seconds, but I wanted to get yeah. to that part. But what yeah. I took away from watching it now for the third time, and what I love, Dan, is when he pauses like that. Right. It, it's just so powerful. It's just, and he's, that shows you how articulate the guy really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, he's, you know, reading off those glass prompters they have there but it's just the way he paces himself and the way he logically broke it down it just made me feel made me feel like oh if that guy were in charge now we might have a different response right and plus a decent man and that's another frustrating for me look it up google it he in 2008 2008 he was handed a disaster and built that fucking country up back better you want to use that phrase and literally handed it to donald trump who yes continued the ascension but obama doesn't get credit for that it's like all of a sudden trump came out of nowhere and created this great economic situation Mm -hmm. for a few years it was a gift from obama a gift um just we're not we're, I was just going to mention that, that in our in our politicians that are influencing us now <clears throat> from the American president to our Canadian prime minister to our provincial premier the the, the uh, they're not gifted orators just in they do no. their, their deliveries they don't know how to use the teleprompters I don't mm-hmm. know what it is how did how did these leaders get to where they are without being you know substantially fantastic mm-hmm. at speaking to audiences because that's their job mm-hmm. anyway 
Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, I'll tell you who our guest will be in a moment. But I came across, oh, Noel, this is going to be great tomorrow. Noel Kassler will be with us. Our regular visit with Noel, who used to work for Trump. I know if we ca- I want to remind everyone that because sometimes it gets lost in the fact that Noel came to our attention because I follow him on Twitter and I asked him to come on the show because he used to produce, was one of the producers on The Apprentice. He's going to be on the show. Um, and then I, I want to run a couple things by you guys. I'll just tease it now. I came across something this morning, and I'm not saying I'm in such great shape, but I'm in pretty good shape these days. I work out a lot. I go to yoga. I do a lot of stretching, blah, blah, blah. And I came across this thing that's apparently gone viral on TikTok, TikTok called the Old Man Test. And tomorrow, I think all three of us should try it. The old I tried it this morning with limited, or I'm sorry, with mixed results. What, like a brain test? Nope. A physical test. So we can and, do this sitting down? Nope. We're going to have to get up oh. and do it. We can do it toward the end of the show, and you guys can look it up today if you want and try it. I'm just teasing it now that I tried it this morning, and it isn't. It's the simplest thing, and it's not. And it's not just to see if you're an old, like the guys. The, the, there's lots of people on TikTok that are in their 30s that can't do it, but it's one of those things that tests your balance, your core strength, and it's just the simplest thing. So that's tomorrow on the show. We'll do the old man test. Um, there's a couple other things. There's a great story in the Star I've, I've had for a couple of days about how Canadian Tire is going to spend a bunch of money to up their, up their customer service experience. And the article is very funny. And I want to share some of the, uh, the things from that. But it's... Uh, <laughs> well, I like that. Oh, I know. You knew you'd love it. Yeah, That's why I've been saving it. And uh, just quickly before we go, yesterday... As I often do, I know you guys too. We'll, we'll go to the weather network to see what the day is going to bring us. And I went to the hourly forecast, and it was like you know uh, noon. It was one, you know two was two, three was about two, and then at or two at three o'clock yesterday on the weather network uh, website, it said it was going to be minus ninety eight. <laughs> and so, and so I screen capped that. And shared it on nice. Twitter, but I thought that was, I thought, you know, and, and I, I came back 10 minutes later, it had been fixed, but I thought, just for a few minutes there, I thought on top of everything else we have to deal with, Dan, <laughs> minus That's 98? Hilarious. Anyway. Oh, wow. Right before our big melt, which is well, it is. Week. <clears throat> there is a Cold War going on. It's when is it? It's going to be uh, when is it? Like thirteen this week? At some point, we said yesterday. Uh, it's going to be seventeen on Thursday, I think. Somewhere no, there. it's not. Yes, mm-hmm. seventeen now. Yeah, but yeah. then like three the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's still above zero. So you know, melting will occur. Yeah, Thursday seventeen nine. No, Thursday seventeen now nine. Friday five. Saturday nine. Sunday. I don't want to say this is over, but I think the minus twenties is over. Yeah, I think sure. you're right. Unless, Whatever unless you I'm, say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skeptic Fred. Oh yeah. Whatever you say. How would you? Uh, how would you torture the Weather Network? <laughs> <laughs> that I know that's dark stuff, but I'm sorry. I just got to be honest. You know, honesty. Hey, this is this is real talk. So uh, yeah. I got to be honest. I want to. I want to torture Putin. Okay. Yeah. So I said it. Uh, how okay. about the so, chamber? Yeah, guess, how about the chamber plan? <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> I want to torture Putin, Putin. But now this. Uh, chambers of Commerce. 
Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Get a free quote today. Chamberplan.ca is where to go. You know, spend some time with the testimonials. Uh, people talking about how this plan has worked for their small businesses. Their names are there, the names of their companies. I mean, on and on and on. It really does work. Small companies become part of a larger group, uh, which means a benefit package is attainable. It is affordable. And they do a great job at the Chamber Plan of keeping uh, your premiums, you know, in check year to year. I mean, the data is there. A great job. Uh, whether it's prescriptions and dental and the teledoc system, certain therapies, depending on the level that you buy in, it's fantastic. It works for everyone. Small business can have a benefits package. Go to chamberplan.ca. Thanks to Lumby. That was great. Jeff and Julie moved to France. Dan Duran uh, can be hired uh, for any number of reasons. If you're looking for an anchorman or a voiceover specialist or you want somebody to play a news person in your movie, uh, we recommend, we highly recommend Dan Duran. Dan at Dan Duran. Dan, Dan Dan Duran. Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And don't forget, without any preparation whatsoever, this show will return tomorrow. Tell your friends. A little up the road from the habitations in the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Oh.